All right. If you're following along with me this morning, uh, today we're going to be looking at being rooted in Christ. And then we'll be in Colossians chapter 2 uh, this morning. Um, before we get there, though, last week Pastor Bob began uh, chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. Uh, we've been in John for quite a while. Um, and I've really, really been enjoying it. Um, been really enjoying digging in and um, just really um, been both convicting and encouraging to me. Um, and so uh, there have been moments where I've been really, really uh, find hope. Um, and there's things that at times that I know that I need to work on for myself. And today is kind of one of those things that I've kind of picked up on as we study through. And so I want to share that with you all. Um, and so just before entering into the 17th chapter, uh, we took a look at the, top, the topic of peace, peace in our life, and how Christ gives us that peace. Um, in chapter 16, verse 33, we see that John tells us, or Jesus tells us, excuse me, John writes, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In the beginning portion of that verse, we see that Christ is alluding to everything that he's been teaching the apostles up to this moment. And we've noted through our study of John, especially the last few chapters that we've covered, that Christ is giving some of his very last teachings to his disciples. And so we're coming to this climax, right, in verse 33, where he says, remember everything that I've taught you, right? It is in these things you will have peace, find peace, right? Why? Because in this world, we'll have tribulation. Some translations say trouble, suffering, trials, persecution, affliction, right? This word gives us a sense of distress. Anything other than peace. Yet Christ encourages us. He tells the disciples, as well as us, the readers, to take heart because Christ has overcome the world. And so we're confronted with this friction between follower of Christ and the world that we live in. We understand that we're in a broken world. It's because of sin. Christ understands that not everyone will believe him or believe in him. Not everyone will place their trust in him. And so naturally there will be stresses and frustrations. There will be sadness and trouble all the days of our lives until we're reunited with him in glory. So you're probably already thinking, man, this is a great start to a message. Gloom and doom. But I assure you it's going to get better. We also look at what it means to take heart. The second half of that passage, he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Christ here is daring us to believe. Christ is asking us to boast in him, to trust in what he has done for us and what he has told us is sufficient and well enough to overcome what it is that we may be facing. And so we get this sense that the disciples feel as though they're on rocky ground. And oftentimes we feel the same. They have given everything to follow Christ. 
Now he's about to leave. We know, as we're able to look ahead, that Christ will never leave. And so the question that came to my mind as I was looking through all this is how do I take heart? How do I have that courage? How do I dare to believe? The disciples are probably wondering the same. And I believe that the key in this is the beginning of verse 33 where he says, I have said these things to you. The Apostle Paul encourages us with this very thing in the letter to the Colossians. And if you're there already, if not, you turn with me. Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. This is what Paul says. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. I've, I've taught out of Colossians before. I love the book of Colossians. It paints a clear picture of the simplicity of the gospel message and what it should mean to us. It's a clear picture and discussion of the person of Jesus Christ. More specifically, that he is supreme above all and he is sufficient in all. Paul, in his letter to the church of Colossae, is leading us to believe that Christ is all that we need in this life and all we're going to need to move with confidence through this life and into the life to come. And so we're fo- we are to focus on Christ. Not just the doctrine of Christ, but Christ himself. This is Paul's heart in his teaching to the church at Colossae, and really in, in a lot of his epistles. Doctrine is important. We saw that towards the end of John 16, where Pastor Bob points out in verse 28 that we see a vivid picture of the entirety of Scripture. Right? Christ teaches it himself. Christ came to defeat death in the grave. He died, was buried, and rose again. It is in this place our hope, it is in this place that we can place our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. It is because of the work Jesus did on the cross that we are now able to stand before the Father, confident in knowing that we are accepted as his children. And so, Paul calls the attention of the church in Colossae to this, to remember to hold on to Jesus Christ. Therefore, as you've received Christ, so walk in him. Paul is leaning on and reminding the Colossian church that they have received all that they need to grow in Christ. Everything they have is already there. There's nothing more that needs to be added. We saw in Colossians chapter 1, the last time I preached on Colossians, that Christ is at the center of all things. All right, that. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in us. He's impressing on them the importance of the foundational teaching that they have uh, received through instruction through Epaphras. 
Now, mind you, all of this is happening within 30 to 40 years after Christ's ascension. This is fairly new to them, right? This isn't ancient history. This isn't like us that we're sitting here looking at this 2,000-some years later. Some are very familiar with what's happening. Yet Paul refers to the reader's original hearing and receiving of the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to focus on when you first received the good news, when you first received the gospel. So a question is, how often do you remind yourself of the salvation, of your salvation story? How often do you think about and meditate on the first time you encountered Jesus Christ? How often do you look at all that Christ has done and be reminded that he is all-sufficient and all-powerful? That in your very moment of weakness, he is your strength. I must admit that for myself, that's not often enough. But as anything else, I'm getting better at it. It is in times of worry that I am learning to remind myself of who he is and all that he's done for me. I'm motivated to take heart, to dare and believe in Christ, to trust in him, knowing that he is greater than what I tell myself or what the world throws at me encouraging myself to understand and know that Christ has pulled me through before and he can do it again. And so when we remind ourselves of what Christ has done for us and the decision that we have made to trust in him, this is what carries us forward in our walk with Christ. Paul moves the reader to simply receive the word, of, not to receive, simply receive the word of Christ, but to walk in Christ. The reception and proclamation of God's word leads to obedience. We are driven to move forward considering what we have learned and what we've been taught. This command to walk in Christ is not just a temporary thing. The apostle is urging us to continue moving forward, continue moving towards Christ. We're called to continuously place our trust in Christ. With each step we take, we'll remind ourselves of all that we've learned and move accordingly. We continue in our passage. We see Paul encourages the believers in Colossae to be rooted and built up in Christ. And Christ is a key theme for Paul in his letters. In Colossians, it's used 15 times four times alone in the passage we're looking at today. As Christians, it's important to establish strong roots in Jesus Christ. If we're going to walk in Christ, we must be rooted in Him. So what does it mean to be rooted in Christ? Uh, as an illustration, a few months ago, I celebrated my 38th birthday. And as a gift, my mother sent me a houseplant. She knows I enjoy houseplants. And she sent me a bonsai tree um, that was on a wish list that I had on Amazon. And so when I searched for them, I, 
This is the uh, picture of the one that I was interested in. I love willow trees, and I thought, why having a mini willow tree is, would be pretty cool to have in a house. I know they take a lot of care, um, but I, I've always wanted one. So mom got me one. And so this is what we expected to see when receiving a bonsai tree, right? This beautiful, healthy tree. And so every day I looked forward to the package coming. And one day I came home and I had a package in my mailbox. My, I had not ordered anything else, so really I was just expecting this tree to come. And it was a brown manila envelope. It, it was very flat. And uh, so I was very confused as to what it may be because I'm thinking a tree, it's going to come in a nice box and so forth. And so I take the package inside and open it up and this is what I received. So needless to say, I was very taken aback. I was very frustrated. It was not what I was expecting. It was not what my mom was anticipating, right? And so here I am standing with these tree cuttings. I literally looked like someone went outside, trimmed their tree, and put it in an envelope and sent it to me. All right? So what was I supposed to do with these things? I've never owned a bonsai tree. I didn't know what to do. I have plenty of houseplants. I just I assumed it would be similar. But I've never had anything at this state. Right? There was nothing no, no roots, no leaves, no, nothing, just twigs, all right? It was a daunting and intimidating task ahead of me. So I went back to Amazon, and I looked at, at the listing that I had chosen and realized it was my fault. I didn't read the description. It is just cuttings. And so my next search was, bonsai tree plants, and books on them. So I purchased a book, and here I am now learning how to grow my own bonsai tree. But it's interesting, as I was looking at that, um, it really allowed me to hone in and look at what it takes, right, to grow and nourish one of these trees. As we've probably all learned in biology class for me, it was plenty of years ago, Right, we realize that it needs three things to thrive, water, air, and food. And so I took to it, started my journey, hoping that all my cuttings would take roots and begin to grow. And to my surprise, that is what started happening. And they're still going strong, so we'll see. Um, right? But with proper care, and understanding, right, they took roots. On the picture on the right-hand side in the glass jar um, is a thicker piece that came in, and the instructions said to place that in water and let it take root, and then you can repot it. The smaller ones, I was supposed to do the same, um, but I got a little ahead of myself and potted them. Um, but either way, they stayed watered pretty well, and they took root and are growing as well, right? And so our being rooted in Christ happens similarly, right? We don't start out with deep, thick roots, 
Right? We don't start out right, fully established. We grow deeper as we continually walk in Christ and continually follow and lean on all that we've learned and been taught. Right? Just as I had to learn how to grow this tree, I have to take to God's word to learn how to grow in my faith in him. The strong roots of a tree are the foundation that allows it to grow tall and strong. Its roots are where it receives its nutrients. It's how it becomes stable and is able to stand against the weather. Being rooted in Christ allows us the same. And so just like my little tree, we're called to grow and produce fruit as Christ followers for God's glory. The key to our spiritual growth and bearing fruit is establishing strong roots in Jesus Christ. He alone provides all that we need. And the fruit that we bear and provides the foundation we need to stand firm. Rooting ourselves in Christ means establishing our faith and trust in him deeper and deeper. We can stand tall and strong. And so Paul continues to say that we should be built up in Christ. He shifts a little bit. First, he introduces us to this idea of being rooted. And now he tells us to be built up. Right, and there's two things happening here. He's telling us to be rooted, right? He's telling us, all right, in a past sense, to rely on the things that we've learned and that we've been taught. And now he's telling us to be built up in Christ, right? This is a forward-thinking thing, right? That we have to move forward. And not in haste, but we must be careful in how we move forward, how we build up. When we first place our trust and faith in Christ, we aren't supposed to just sit around and wait for things to happen. Reminded of the the servants who were given talents by their master. The one hid his coin instead of investing it and growing it, and it didn't end too well for him. We're to continue to grow and build. We're immediately drawn to the fact that we better have a strong foundation. Without it, it will just crumble and fall. This concept is described in Luke chapter 6. Luke says, everyone, Jesus tells us in Luke, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, a stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And building our house, so to speak, we must be sure we're on solid footing. That foundation is the word of God. 
Paul alludes to this in Colossians 2 when he tells the church there that um, they should focus on just as you were taught. They were provided instruction. They were provided wisdom. They were provided knowledge. The question is, how were they applying that? The question is, how are you applying that? Being rooted and built up in the things of this world do not compare to being rooted and built up in Christ. And so the things of this world are temporary and fleeting. As James put it, puts it, it is here today and gone tomorrow. When we are rooted and built up in Christ, it is on the eternal person and word of Jesus Christ, who does not fail or falter, does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so in chapter 2, Paul urges the people to be rooted so they're not deceived by false teachers. Let's look at our passage again. It says, Therefore, as we receive Christ Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to human tradition, uh, according to Christ, sorry. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Verses 8 through 10 and onward in that passage, um, Paul talks about being alive in Christ, and he begins to present the sufficiency and supremacy of Christ, that Christ is over all things, that Christ is in all things, and Christ is the center of all things. Another translation, Colossians 2.8 says, I am saying this so that you will not be, uh, so that no one will be, deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. Paul doesn't want his readers to be caught up in false teachings. Note that he mentions it being arguments that sound reasonable. We're warned to be careful what we take in and make part of our doctrine. What we take in and make part of our foundation. Paul's encouraging his readers, he's encouraging us to hold everything up and look at it through the lens of Christ and Christ alone. If it does not match, we must not hold on to it. How often do we do that? As we scroll through social media or we listen to the latest news headlines, are we filtering those things to the lens of Christ? Or are we simply taking them at face value and adding those things to our, our foundation? Not only that, are we doing the same with preaching and teaching? In the age of technology we live in, it's easy to pull up other teachers and Pastors and preachers, are we taking what they say at face value? Or do we hold it to the lens of Christ? When I was in youth group, one of the things that we were taught as our youth pastor was teaching was to have our Bible at the ready, to take notes, to study it on our own. Because he, as all of us and myself, 
We're human and we make mistakes. And so we should be able to discern and see what is right and what's false. Paul knew that Christians would be deceived and led astray. He knew that people would fall away to follow the customs and pressures of the world that society deems acceptable. In fact, at the time of his writing to the Colossians, it was already happening. It's important to read and study and meditate daily so we're not deceived by the things of the world that appear good or reasonable. It's, a, it's key to establishing strong roots in Christ. It's not just about knowing, but about living it out. Remember, we are to receive and then to walk in. All right. His word will help you discern the truth from the things of the world that seem good. We need to keep before us to be rooted up and built up. We see a beautiful picture of this in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. There's a juxtaposition here. The believer in the world, those planted by the streams of water bear fruit and do not wither. They stand strong, and they stay close to the source of life. The question is, where are you planted this morning? How close are you to the source of life? Our evaluation of this is telling. If we feel worn and withered, burnt and chaffed, then we have some work to do. We may need to replant or to move closer to Christ. Our time in the Word may need to increase. We may need to move from simply reading to actually meditating. As we go about our day, we need to draw our minds constantly back to the word of Christ. Are we allowing it to soak in? Are we constantly going over it and mulling over it, what we read and study? Romans 12 tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We cannot be transformed if we do not allow the word to sink in. And so we see that we are to be rooted and built up in the word of Christ. Paul takes it a step further in Ephesians 3. He's praying for the church in Ephesus, praying that Christ dwells in their hearts through faith and that they are rooted and established in love. He says this in Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19. He says, That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, what, being rooted and grounded in love, is those two words again, 
rooted and grounded, rooted and built up, having a firm foundation, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In both of these passages of scriptures, we are keyed in to being rooted and established. In Ephesians, Paul uses the word grounded. Both have the essence of being strengthened, right? To have a greater firmness in character and attitude. We're to be established in hope, and here in Ephesians, we are to be grounded in love. And so both of which are found in Christ. In Him, we have a hope and an experience, and we experience a love like no other. Being rooted in God's love helps establish a strong confidence and an identity in Christ. By knowing how much we're loved, we're filled with the confidence and power to accomplish what God has created us to do. It's an echo to what he wrote to the church in Rome. There is strength in knowing how deep, how wide, how long, and how high the love of Christ is, which surpasses knowledge and fills us with the fullness of God. And so Christ rules over everything. And in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we see that this includes our heart. Right? Paul draws the attention of the church in Ephesus to the fact that Christ dwells in our heart through faith and in love. The heart is a picture of our inner being. It's the center of one's personality and thoughts, the center of our character and will, the center of our emotions and much more. Right? We see in Proverbs that we're called to what? Guard our hearts above all things. Why? Because it is, it is the wellspring of life. This is a beautiful pattern right, that we're seeing all throughout Scripture of, of being rooted and being planted by streams of living water. Christ wants to rule over every part of our lives. He dwells within our hearts, the very center of who we are. May we dare pray as David did in Psalm 139, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. It's a daunting prayer to pray, to ask God to search you and to know you. But it's important and necessary. I just recently started seeing a new primary physician. And if there was ever a time where I felt the most vulnerable, it was with my first visit with him. Paperwork alone was like giving away all of my life's information. Right? I sat and thought to my, why is this even necessary? Right? It's necessary for the doctor to be able to make a proper diagnosis of any symptoms and illnesses. There needs to be an understanding of who I am physically and the history of those things in my family. 
so it must be with Christ, who is a great physician. We must allow him to search and know. He created us, and we see that in the rest of Psalm 139. And who better to mend and heal and to help us to grow other than the one who created us? And so being rooted and built up in Christ isn't just a physical thing. It goes much deeper. It's spiritual. It's a soul level thing. So being rooted in Christ also helps us to stand strong and firm during trials that come our way. Jeremiah 17 echoes a similar idea to Psalm 1. Jeremiah says this, <clears throat> writes this about what the Lord says. He says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. I love, I love that comparison. Where he says, blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and is not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Jeremiah states similar to what David does in Psalm 1. We're given a picture of being planted by a stream. And here Jeremiah tells us that there is no fear being planted there. When we're close to the source of life, we don't have to fear about what comes. No matter the circumstance, that tree planted by the streams of living water will flourish and grow. Some seasons more than others, but it will not be anxious of withering away or becoming barren. When I lived at camp, we used to split a lot of wood. Our houses were uh, heated with a wood stove for the most part. Um, and it was pretty cool to be able to go up in the woods um, and to get some trees down, cut them, split them. And it was always interesting to me to see the rings of a tree, right? because it told of its life. It told when there was Minimal amount of water, and when there was a lot of water, it tells about all kinds of things that happened weather-wise. And so it was always astonishing to me to see these huge, large trees and how they managed to thrive over time. When we plant ourselves in Christ, we too can have that same confidence that, we'll, that we will stand strong. Right? We don't have to be anxious or afraid. No matter the season, we know that we will have life and life abundant. So back to my little bonsai tree. So long as I provide for it what is needed, it will continue to take root and grow into a beautiful willow. 
the same for our life in Christ. We continue along the line of being rooted in Christ. And we see in John 15 that being rooted also enables us to bear fruit. Establishing our roots in Christ enables us to accomplish what God has created us to do. In John chapter 15, he says this, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit for itself, by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am divine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I read that line of branches being withered and gathered and thrown into the fire, and I thought the same thing when I received that package in the mail. But thankfully, I did, did not, and I gave it a chance to grow. So in our lives, Christ gives us that same chance. Jesus is the true vine. Apart from Jesus, we cannot do nothing. As his followers, we must fix or root ourselves to him in order that we may do what we're called to do in this world. He is our source of all that we need to bear fruit. Jesus provides exactly what we need. And so Paul continues on in Colossians 2. It's important to be rooted in Christ so that we're not deceived by the things of this world that seem good or reasonable. It will happen. We will face it. In fact, Jesus warns us about it. Twice in Matthew 24, he says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so it is important to know God's word now more than ever, so that when we hear something that seems reasonable and sounds good, we're able to discern and apply God's word as the source of truth. We're able to expose any argument that doesn't quite line up. So strong roots in Jesus through God's word will help you discern and stand strong. Right, I'm reminded of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Christ used God's word to combat the temptations that the enemy placed at his feet. We're able to do the same. We must stay grounded and rooted in the truth of God's word. So lastly, to wrap it up, what are some practical ways that we can 
become deeply rooted in Christ. The first is to surrender our whole life to Christ. We talked earlier about Christ dwelling within us and in our hearts and him attaching to every piece and part of us. God wants our whole life and heart, not just parts of it. And so the question is, is there an area that you know is out of line with God's word or that is not producing godly fruit? We need to repent and draw near to him and allow him to mold us and shape us to who he wants us to be. We need to surrender any areas that have been holding you back and watch God bring his peace and love and hope into those areas of your life. The second thing is to meditate on God's word. Read, study, and meditate daily. The more we do so, the stronger our roots will become. In order to discern the lies of the enemy and lies of the world, you first need to know and understand what God's word says. This will help expose anything that contradicts it. Meditating on God's word will increase our faith. As you read and see all that God has done for his people, you'll be filled with hope that God is loving and gracious. In seasons of waiting or toughness, you'll be able to stand strong because you know that your God is faithful. You'll remember that what God has done in the past, you'll be able to stand on his promises that he will do it again. The third thing, surround yourself with the right people. Surrounding yourself with the right people and community is like a tree being planted in rich soil. It's the importance of being repotted sometimes. Just like a tree, if it's planted in the wrong climate, it won't be able to grow to its full potential. Oftentimes, it's the factor that doesn't allow it to bear fruit. The atmosphere you surround yourself is critical in our spiritual growth. While each one of us must attach ourselves to Jesus as the true vine, the people around us will either accelerate or stunt our spiritual growth. And so as followers, it's important to plant ourselves in a community of believers that will help and support that growth. We want to be surrounded by other people who want to grow as well, who strive to be rooted and built up in Christ, whose foundation are on his word. What kind of fruit are they producing in their life? Are they producing any fruit at all? Does their life produce fruit of this world or fruit that glorifies God? Where are their roots attached? Are they attached to God and his word? These are all questions that we must ask ourselves as well so that we can be similar to others. Lastly, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Being rooted in Christ means that we cannot do anything apart from him. Jesus is a true vine, and to be deeply rooted in Christ, we must admit that we depend on God for everything in our life. Even when times are good, we cannot try and attach our roots or lay our foundation on something other than Christ. It means being totally dependent on him as a source of everything. And so in conclusion, my question to us all this morning, including myself, is where are you rooted? 
What foundation are you being built on? What moves do we need to take to ensure that we are being established and grounded in Christ? Let me remind you of when you've received Christ. And let me encourage you to walk in Him. So let us allow ourselves to be rooted and built up in Him, established in faith and love. Let us hold tight and lean on to what we've been taught so that we are not deceived or blown over. Let us abound in thanksgiving, understanding that in our thankfulness we cultivate an atmosphere and environment that continues our growth in Him. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you pursue each and every one of us daily. Father, help us to be reminded, Lord, of your love and all that you've done for us. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we're reminded of these things, Lord, that we are motivated and encouraged, Lord, to move forward in you. Father, I pray that as Lord, we go about our days, Lord, that we will take everything, Lord, and hold it in light of your of who you are. Father, we're grateful for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.